You know, one of the things that I am convinced of, worship is not about us. It's all about Him. The other thing that I'm convinced of is this. Worship is not a spectator sport. It requires our participation in order for us to meet with the Lord. First, it requires of us having a right heart as we come into the presence of God, but it also requires of us offering up worship unto the Lord. And so I hope that you have done that this morning. I hope to this point in the worship service that God has clearly spoken into your heart and your life as we've sang praises unto Him, as we came into or have come into His presence this morning. And now what I want us to do as God's people, I want us to center ourselves upon God's Word because now I want us to hear God's Word that He wants to speak into our hearts and our lives because I'm convinced that God has a very important message for us today and what a privilege we have as God's people to come around God's Word and to hear directly from Him as He speaks truth through His Word into our hearts and into our lives. And my prayer for us this morning is this, we will not simply be hearers of the Word of God but that we will be doers of the Word of God, that we will take what we learned this morning and that we will apply it to our lives. I love that song that we sang there for the offertory song that Brother Andy introduced to us a couple of weeks ago where it says, I got saved, I got Jesus, how could I want more? You know, if you have Jesus Christ in your heart and life, how could you ever want more in life outside of that relationship with Jesus Christ. Never allow the things of the world to cloud your heart and your mind to that which is most important, who is Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. So, if you have your Bibles this morning, open them up to John, the fourth chapter. John, the fourth chapter. You know, in the month of January, we walked through a series of sermons that we entitled, Current Issues. We looked at a number of different issues. As a result of that, we kind of stepped aside out of the Gospel of John. What I want us to do this morning is I want us to go back to the Gospel of John, and I want us to pick up in that series that we started several months ago. I entitled it, Getting to Know Jesus, Believe and Live. The reason I entitled it or I titled it with those words is that is exactly what John wants his readers to do. John wants his readers to understand who Jesus is and as a result of understanding who Jesus is that they might come to believe on Him and experience life to the fullest. That they would truly understand what it is to live life. Jesus Christ said it this way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Either Jesus Christ is the only way or Jesus Christ is no way to the Heavenly Father. There can't be multiple different ways to God if Jesus Christ's statement was true. Also, Jesus Christ made this statement, I have come that you may have life and that you may have life to the fullest. That is God's great desire for your life this morning is that you would know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and as a result of that, that you would experience life 
to the fullest in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wants to give you that gift today, the gift of eternal life. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ this morning. Maybe you're here and you're simply searching. You want to understand more about Christianity. You want to know more about who Jesus Christ is. Well, I can tell you this today. Jesus Christ loves you, and He was willing to show you the extent of His love by willingly going to a cross and hanging there and dying. The single greatest picture of love is the cross of Jesus Christ. There can be no greater picture of love. Listen to me this morning. If you're searching and you wanting to understand who Jesus is, knows this. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus loves you, and He desires for you to have a relationship with Him. The very reason we were created was for relationship with God. That's the reason He created us. Have you ever wondered why people desire relationships so much in their life? Because you and I were, were created for relationship and the ultimate relationship is with Jesus Christ if you're here this morning you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior you want to know what my prayer is for you today my prayer is this that you would never get over it I have a great friend a brother in Christ who says brother Jeff you got saved and you never got over it you know what I'm grateful I never got over it I'm grateful that I'm excited and passionate about who Jesus Christ is. We are to never, ever get over it. And the story we're going to look at this morning is about a woman at a well who never got over being saved by Jesus Christ. And that is my prayer. So what I want us to do this morning, I want us to go to John chapter 4. We want to pick up in our story where we left Jesus Christ at. The last time we were with Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John, he was at a well and he was having a very interesting conversation with a woman. Now, Jesus Christ was on his way to Galilee. However, rather than traveling around Samaria, the region of Samaria, like so many Jews in his day and time did, Jesus Christ chooses to travel straight through Samaria. Sumerian people were half Jew and half Gentiles, and the Jewish people looked down on them. They considered them to be unclean. No Jewish person in their right mind would ever have anything to do with a Samaritan. So can you imagine what Jesus Christ's apostles must have been thinking when Jesus Christ says, Oh no boy, we're not going to take the long way around today. We're going to take the short route. We're going to go straight up through Samaria. I can imagine in their minds that they were thinking, has he lost his mind? There are so many cultural implications in this story today. But Jesus Christ has a divine appointment with a woman at a well. And I would tell you today, some of you need to hear that. Some of you need to know that Jesus Christ has a divine appointment with you this morning. And what you need to know more than anything else is Jesus Christ is here. He loves you and He wants you to know Him in a personal way. Jesus Christ shows up at this well. He sends His disciples, His apostles, into the village of Sychar, the town. He sits down by the well. He's resting. He's relaxing. When out comes this woman, 
She's there to draw water in the middle of the day, the heat of the day. She has been shunned by her community. She is an outcast. No one wants anything to do with her. She prepares to draw water from the well. Jesus Christ looks at her and says, Hey, can you get me a drink of water? She responds to Jesus Christ in this way. She says to him, Jesus, you have nothing, or sir, you have nothing to draw water with. Jesus Christ looked at her and he said, If you only knew the water that I offer unto you, you would desire it. I offer unto you living water. As you can imagine, that woman's interest was piqued at that time. She looks at Jesus Christ and says, Oh, can you tell me where you can get that water? I want it so I don't ever have to come here again to this well. Can you see this conversation in your mind? Jesus is speaking about spiritual things. This woman is speaking about physical things. And everything that Jesus Christ said to this point goes over the woman's head. And he makes this statement to her. Go and call your husband. The woman looks at him and says, Sir, I have no husband. And Jesus says, You are right. The man that you are currently with is not your husband. So what I want us to do this morning, I want us to pick up in verse 27 of this story. This is where we left off the last time we were reading through this conversation, this very unique conversation that Jesus Christ was having with the woman at the well. I've titled this sermon today, the rest of the story, because I want us to see the rest of this woman's story that is recorded for us here in the Gospel of John. And what I want us to notice as we read through this text, I want us to notice three different features of this story. The first feature that I really want us to focus on, I want us to focus on this woman, because I believe through this woman we are going to learn a couple of very important truths about the importance of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. Now I have a little poll, I have a little question for you, I want to take a little survey this morning. And this is only for the believers in the church house. Actually, it's only for those who are members of Crestwood Baptist Church. How many of you think it's important that we make Jesus Christ known to a lost and dying world? Do you believe that's important? Yes. Isn't that so very important? Haven't we been commanded in Scripture to make Jesus Christ known to a lost and dying world? That is our responsibility. And so I want you to see how this story plays out because in it we're going to see two truths that sometimes I believe we forget and we just simply need to be reminded of as followers of Jesus Christ. Listen with me in verse 27. Follow along if you have your device or your Bible there. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? 
I'm always amazed at this woman's reaction to Jesus Christ. She is so excited about the potential that this is the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, that she goes off and leaves her water pot, her water pot there at the well. The very reason the woman had gone to the well was to do what? Was to draw water. But she's so overcome with excitement, amazement, astonishment at Jesus Christ, she takes off and runs back into the town and leaves behind her water pot. Have you ever been astonished at Jesus Christ in that way? So amazed at who Jesus Christ was that you forgot the very reason you were doing something that you were doing? This woman did. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Listen in verse 30. They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Are you amazed at Jesus Christ's response to them? I think through that statement, Jesus Christ was wanting to teach his apostles a very important lesson. I think that he wanted them to understand what's most important in life is the spiritual, not the temporal. If I could put it in common day vernacular, this is what Jesus Christ is saying to his apostles when he made that statement. Souls are more important than supper. That's really what he said. Can't you see that there? Don't you see that? Hey guys, I know you're offering me food, but I have a food that you don't even know about. My food is to come to do the will of the Father, what the Father has set before me. That is my task. I would challenge you sometimes to go through Scripture and read the number of times that Jesus Christ makes that statement about Himself. Jesus Christ over and over again continues to tell people, I have not come to do my own will, but I have come to do the will of the Father. Can I tell you this morning, that should be the heart cry of every believer today. Our overwhelming desire should be to do the will of the Father. Shouldn't it? Isn't that true? Yes. So go back and look with me. Listen to this challenge Jesus Christ is going to send forth. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now don't miss what he says here in verse 39. These are the words of the Apostle John written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Many Samaritans from that town believed in Him. That is Jesus Christ. They believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. Did you hear what John said in this verse of Scripture? John describes for us this scene that is played out in this story. 
after the woman leaves her water jar behind, she runs back into the town. And the first thing that she does is she shares her testimony with the people around her. She began to witness to who Jesus Christ was and what Jesus Christ had done in her life. As a matter of fact, that word sometimes in Scripture, we can interchange it with the word witness. We've all heard the statement made before as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to be witnesses. We are to share our testimony with the lost and dying world. Actually, there is a third word that is interchangeable also in Scripture with the word and testimony. Do you know what it is? It is the word martyr. The word martyr. Now, if you're like me, when I hear that word martyr, the first thing that comes to my mind is a martyr is someone who dies for their faith. Isn't that what you think of when you hear that word? But can I tell you honestly, I believe a better description, a better definition of the word martyr is this. It is someone who chooses to live out their faith. And as a result of choosing to live out their faith, they may, it may end up costing them their life. This woman went back to her town. She had met Jesus Christ, and as a result of meeting Jesus Christ, her life was forever changed. She went back into that town, and she began to share her testimony. She began to witness to who Jesus Christ was and what He had done in her life. Essentially, what this woman began to do is she began to share with them their sto- her, her story of what Jesus Christ had done in her life. And I believe it is here that we see that first very important truth that we learn from this woman's story. It is this, every follower of Jesus Christ has a story. Every follower of Jesus Christ has a a story to share. Would you agree with me this morning on that? That every single person who has come into a relationship with Jesus Christ has a story to tell? I like what one man said about a testimony. He said a testimony is, he said our testimony is who we were before we met Christ, what happened when we met Christ, and who we are since we have met Christ. Now what I want you to do this morning for just a moment, I want you to pause. And I want you to think about your story. And the question that I would ask you this morning is this, who were you before you met Jesus Christ? What happened when you met Jesus Christ? And since you have met Jesus Christ, how has He changed your life? You answer those three questions. That is your story, a story that can be shared with anyone, anywhere, anytime. That is your story. Do you see what I'm saying? This woman had a story to share. She had come face-to-face with Jesus Christ. And as a result of meeting Jesus Christ face-to-face, she was forever changed. 
I would tell you this morning, every single follower of Jesus Christ has a story. That is the truth of God's Word. Second, I would say this. Every follower of Christ is called to share. Every follower of Christ is called to share their story with the lost and dying world. On five different occasions in the Word of God, once each in the Gospels and one time in the book of Acts, we are commanded to share Christ's story with the lost and dying world. The clear truth of God's Word is every believer has been given the responsibility of making Christ known to a lost and dying world. Now I want you to think about this woman in this story for a moment. When I look at this woman's life, her story, I think she is probably the most unlikely candidate for sharing the gospel. I mean, think about it for a moment. This woman had never gone to seminary. Never had Evangelism 101. She had never been invited to uh, participate by our local church in a one-day soul-winning workshop. She didn't memorize the Roman road. She didn't know the four spiritual laws. The extent of this woman's training and sharing the gospel was a conversation that took place between Jesus Christ and her at a well. Do you see that here in this story? And when she met Jesus Christ as a result of meeting Him, she can't contain what has happened in her life. She goes back to her village. She begins to announce to her village, I have met the one that we have waited for. I have met the Messiah. Think about this woman's life for a moment. She had been shunned by her community. She was an outcast. She was at the well alone in the heat of the day because none of the other women wanted anything to do with her. She was known in her community. But when she goes back into her town that she has lived in and everyone knows about her life, you know what happens? They recognize there is something different about this woman. The single greatest evidence of salvation in a person's life is a changed life. This woman was changed as a result of meeting Jesus Christ. And this is what's so unique, folks. The people in her community recognized she had been changed. Did you see that here in this story? Think about it for a moment. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did, is what they said. Come and see was her invitation. Come and see if this man at the well is the long-awaited Christ. I would tell you this morning, the clear indication of Scripture is this, every believer has a story, and every believer is called to share the story that they have. 
That is the truth of God's Word. All right, let's look at the second feature in this story. I want us to look quickly at the second feature. The second feature in this story that I want us to notice today is this. I want us to hear the challenge of Jesus Christ's Word. I want you to hear the challenge of the words that he spoke to his apostles. Now, before we jump into the text again, I want to just kind of remind you of the setting of what's taking place. Jesus' apostles have just returned from the town. They have gone into the town to get food. They have now come back out of the town. They're back at the well. They see the conversation that is happening between Jesus Christ and this woman. And when you read the story, it is easy to assume or it's easy to understand they have many questions in their mind. Why is Jesus Christ talking to this woman? There are so many cultural implications that are happening in this story. First, it was wrong for a Jewish man to speak to any woman, much less a Samaritan woman. Not only was she just a Samaritan woman, she was a Samaritan woman of ill repute. Doesn't Jesus Christ know whom it is that he is speaking with? This woman is unclean. It's like the big white elephant in the room, but all of the apostles are scared to ask the question. So you know what they do? They try to change the subject. They offer Jesus Christ food. Maybe they thought in their mind, well, he's delirious. You know, he doesn't have... I mean, think about it for a moment. He, he, he needs food. He's not thinking straight. And Jesus makes that great statement that we read earlier. But then he says these words to them. Don't miss it. You say four more months till the harvest. I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Now listen to me carefully. Jesus Christ wasn't pointing to a literal field. You know what he's pointing at? He's pointing at the people that are coming from the town to him. Lift up your eyes. Look, see the people coming unto me. Think about what the woman has just done. She's just announced that it's possible that the Messiah is at Jacob's well. All of the people began to flock out of the city to see Jesus Christ. He tells them, open your eyes, look up. The fields are white for the harvest. He's looking at the people that are coming unto him is what Jesus Christ is doing. Now let me just say quickly two things about the harvest. First, We must see the possibilities. That is our great challenge. Jesus Christ saw the possibilities. When Jesus Christ looked at the group of people coming from the village, He saw every person as a potential follower of Jesus Christ, of His. He saw the possibilities. Now I want you to think about it for a moment. These apostles have just gone into that town. No doubt they passed this woman as they were going into the town, as she was coming out of the town. No one stops for a moment to announce to those to that woman that, hey, our rabbi, the Messiah, is waiting at the well. When they go into this city or this town of Sikar, no one, not one of the apostles announced that our rabbi is out of the well. Come and see, he is the long-awaited Messiah. 
Every one of them failed to see the possibilities. But I would tell you, Jesus and this woman, they saw the possibilities. It took a woman who was a harlot shunned by her community to announce the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah. You see, our great challenge this morning as God's people is this. Rather than seeing the sinner, we must see who the person can be in Christ Jesus. Every person has the possibility of being a walking, talking picture of God's grace. Think about it for a moment. You and I are, aren't we? Aren't we a walking, talking picture of God's grace to a lost and dying world? First, we must see the possibilities. Number two, we must trust God for the harvest. Our responsibility is not the harvest. Our responsibility is to plant the seed and water it. The seed that we plant is the gospel message, and we water it over and over again, and then we trust God for the harvest. Now, I want you to see this in this passage of Scripture. When you read this text, the indication is this. There is a harvest. If we are faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world, there will be a harvest. The opposite of that is true as well. If we don't share, if we don't plant seeds, if we don't water, there will be no harvest. Jesus challenges us to see the possibilities and trust Him for the harvest. The last feature in this story that I want you to see this morning is this. I want you to notice the change that happened in the Samaritan's life. Go back up with me to verse 39 and let's read down through verse 42. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. Now listen right here, verse 42 is the key. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Let me point out just two words in that verse that indicates the change that took place in the Samaritan's life. The first word that I would encourage you to underline or whatever it is that you enjoy doing in your Bible that helps you remember something is that word no. That word no is such an important word. The word speaks of intimacy. These Samaritans had come to know Jesus Christ in a personal, intimate way. Folks, can I submit to you this morning, that is New Testament Christianity. New Testament Christianity is knowing Christ in a personal, intimate way. It is trusting Him with your life. It's not just accepting a set of teachings. It's not just becoming religious. It is knowing Christ in a personal, intimate way. Do you know Him that way? Do you know Him that way? That is true New Testament Christianity. 
knowing Christ in a personal, intimate relationship. The second word I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture is the word world. World. I want you to recognize something here. These Samaritans were the first ones to recognize that Jesus was the Savior of the world. Are you surprised by that? Before any apostle recognized it, or any person, Jewish person, understood it, these Samaritans, the outcasts of society, half-breeds, according to what the Jews believed, understood who Jesus Christ was. He was the Savior of the world. Can I submit to you this morning that is still true today. Jesus Christ came to save all peoples. Americans, Europeans, Africans, Asians, Hispanics. Jesus came to save them all. Perhaps nowhere is it clearer in Scripture than the words of the Apostle Paul where he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Everyone's included in that verse. Jesus Christ is the Savior of all the world. Now this is the good news. Not only is Jesus Christ just the Savior of Americans, Europeans, Africans, Asians, Hispanics, Jesus Christ is the Savior of you as well. He is the Savior of you. He is your personal Savior. He has come to save everyone. And the question I would ask you this morning is this. Do you know Him in a personal and intimate way? Do you have a story?